Ladies and gentlemen, this is worship tonight. I want to challenge you right now, even if you're in the balcony or on the main floor, if you mean business with God tonight and you haven't come to see a show and you're hungry for the Lord, we're going to change things up a little bit. I want you to quickly come out of your seats and come down to this altar. There is an anointing right this very moment. Quickly, 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 quickly. Lift your voice. Don't stop worshiping. There's such an awesome anointing. There's such an awesome anointing. Don't, don't let me lose this. Oh, my gosh. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. If you can't make it in, just enter in. Enter in. Oh, we welcome your presence tonight, Lord. That 
That's the fire of God tonight. I said, that's the fire of God in this building tonight. My God. Come on, if you're watching right now on television or on the internet, quickly turn up your speakers right now and just lift your voices. Join us from around the world. People are here gathered. They're all gathered here tonight in London and we're lifting up the name of Jesus. We're not here for a program tonight. We've come for the Holy Spirit to fall in this place tonight. Let your glory fall. Just hungry people in the United Kingdom. Oh God, we lift up our voice. He on it. We bless you, Lord.
This is awesome. This is awesome. You are awesome, Lord. You are awesome, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, there are many churches that come to this place. Sometimes it takes 30 minutes of bad church to have 30 seconds of presence. But you know, you can have this in your own private life. And the reason this is even happening corporately right now is because there are many within this church, even here tonight, this is happening in your private life. How many wave your hand and say, man, I know exactly what you're talking about. I wish that this wasn't so out of the ordinary for most places. But I got good news for you. This is going to become commonplace in the United Kingdom. Hallelujah. I want to read something to you out of Psalms chapter 91. And it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. And then it moves on to say in verse 3, Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take rest, refuge. His truth shall be, oh, His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, verse 7, and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know, I do not normally do this, but right now I speak to the prince and power of darkness and I tell you that you can throw whatever you want to throw at the United Kingdom. It shall not come near the British Isles in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, 
No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Now look at verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I almost want to get like Pentecostal on you for just a moment and tell you, no evil shall come near you. That's awesome. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will be, I will deliver him and honor him and with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Hallelujah. I want you to lift your hands in this place and just say this after me. God, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. Say it again. God, you are good. And your mercy Indoors forever. forever. Woo. Hallelujah. How many are you glad that you came to church on a hot Sunday English night? You know, I just felt I just felt we had to move this direction, and I thank God so much. For Pastor Colin Dye and for his wife, Mrs. Dye, and for the whole Kensington Temple, that they are pursuers of the Holy Spirit. This night would not be possible, and hear me when I say this, I said this early this morning, this is not flattery to the people who lead this ministry. It would not be possible for us to even move in this direction had it not been for the laboring and all the decades and the years of laying down people's lives to pursue the Holy Spirit. And I know we're not here to honor a man, but can we just say thank you to Kensington Temple, and can we say thank you to Colin and Mrs. Dye for laying down their life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well... Why don't you turn to two or three people that are shoved right next to you and give them the biggest sweaty hug you've ever given anybody in England. And you may be seated tonight. You may be seated if you can. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What a night. Oh, my goodness. 
Oh my goodness. If you can find a seat, I know there's some up in the balcony. Where did all these people just appear from? It's like they just appeared. Wouldn't that be awesome if one night all of London streets here in Kensington were all blocked up in traffic, people trying to get into the church? Oh, I love you, Holy Spirit. I love how you flow. I don't know what I'd do without you. I would fail miserably. You know, we are nothing without the Holy Spirit. You know, I had a whole message tonight, and I had a direction and everything, and I just love when God messes things up. This is totally ordained by the Holy Spirit tonight. It's taken me years to get to this point in my life. My wife and I were talking about it earlier today after the first two services. I don't know how you do five services in one Sunday. Yes, I do. You do them. But we were talking about this earlier, my wife and I, and years ago, I wasn't as open to the Holy Spirit. Years ago, I wasn't as yielded to whatever He wanted to do. Sometimes in our life, we can get so much focused and in a rush that before you know it, 10, 15, 20 years, it's gone. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are younger. But don't worry, it'll catch up with you. All the older folks say, Amen. Amen. There's a lot of old folks here tonight. It took me years to get to this place where I could just yield to the Holy Spirit and just do whatever He wants to do. You know, when you minister, you know, and I'm, I'm, being, I'm just sharing my heart tonight. I'm not going to give you three points. I'm just going to share my heart tonight. I think that's the best thing that you could ever do. Especially I'm only here for this last night. But I want to say that, you know, we should be real to each other. And not try to be somebody else. I mean, everybody these days in the 21st century are trying to be somebody else. Can I just tell you something? None of you in this place, including myself, are ever going to be Benny Hinn, for instance. Do you want the power of God to touch you? Do you really want it? You'll never be him. You'll never be Pastor John Hagee on TBN. How many of you know who I'm talking about? You know, where he says, it says in the book of Revelation that Jesus is returning for a bride. If you don't believe that, you are a moron. Give him praise and glory in the house of the Lamb. You'll never be him. They are called to be who they're called to be, and you're called to be who you're called to be. And so as I'm just sharing my heart, I'm just being myself. My name is Roy Fields. I'm sure there's some here you've never heard of me. How many people have never heard of me before in your life? Speak. Well, that's cool. I've never heard of you either. (laughs) So we're on the same page. You know what? We share something in common. We're all 
human beings who were created by God himself, who breathed his breath into our lives. And we all here, all different nationalities, I think this is awesome that people are here from all around the world. There's not just the English, there's not just the Scottish and the Irish and the Welsh, but it's, it's African, it's Indian, it's Chinese, it's German, it's Russian, it's Holland, it's my God. And have you ever seen something like this before where the whole world has converged together, all nationalities in one place, lifting up the sound of heaven with no music and no words, and it all sounds the same? That is the Holy Spirit. That's one of the manifestations of knowing the Holy Spirit and how precious He is. We refer to the Holy Spirit so many times. I've been around the world, 27 nations now, and... You get to see different governments and different ways that people operate in and what they do. And you go to some places and they think the Holy Spirit is a stained glass window. He is not a stained glass window. Some people think the Holy Spirit's a cross with a light behind it. He is not the cross with a light behind it. Some people think the Holy Spirit is actually a bird. Read your Bible. When Jesus was baptized in water, it said, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. If there was Facebook back then, the, the bird would get a billion likes. <laughs> but he's not, the Holy Spirit is not a bird. And if he is, we are all in trouble. Oh, look, here comes the Holy Spirit. That did not feel like God to me. But the truth about the Holy Spirit is he is a person. He didn't just hover over the face of the deep and made dry land appear. He's a person. You know, I walk with this. I walk with this one. I walk with the Holy Spirit. When I wake up in the morning, especially these last six months have been absolutely phenomenal. Traveled so much, so extensive in the ministry and these last six months, the Lord has taken me down a path. And he had me cancel every single engagement we have of speaking and traveling. And he said, I want to get alone with you. And I want to have time with you. And don't read into it. Nothing happened to me. I'm not in trouble or anything. Just sometimes you need to separate yourself from the crowd and get alone with Jesus and get alone with the Lord. Jesus himself constantly got away from the crowds. People were always pulling on him, and they might have followed Jesus, but just because you have him on your Twitter account doesn't make you a disciple. The same people that followed Jesus really didn't follow Jesus. And God had me just take out a chunk of time, start to work on myself. Now, I was over 20 stone in December of last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I needed a boomerang to put my belt on. So he says, what are you talking about? Well, in order to put my belt on, I had to be like Batman. I was like. <laughs> Got it. But the Lord took me on a trip here, and I woke up in the morning, and I opened the word, and I wasn't trying to get a sermon. Let me know what I'm talking about. I wasn't trying to get another revelation. I was just studying the word. This is the most powerful thing we have on the planet. Amen. 
words of the Lord can literally save your marriage, heal your body, bring prosperity to your life, bring health to your body. It'll help you build places and ministries and how to do it correctly and not religiously. And I just opened the Bible and I'd sit there. Can I have a chair up here real quick? Is there a chair I could just have real quick, bro? There's one up here, I think. Right here, behind here. I just want to do this for a moment. I'd sit on the back of my porch. And I live in Florida. And I have this pond out back. And we have alligators. Anybody know what an alligator is? It's not a crocodile. It's an alligator. But I'm not afraid of the alligators because I have a pair of alligator boots. So when he comes out and he's trying to show that he's like five foot long, I go, hey. How's your brother doing down here? So I'm not nervous about it. But you know, I just sit there on the back porch after I had breakfast and I just sit there. And I, I love it. It's like my haven because... Some of you don't know this, but we've been without a home for seven and a half years. My wife and I gave up everything in 2005 to step out into full-time ministry. And she, yeah, by the way, this is my wife, Melanie Fields. And I just want to say, could you just welcome her? Just say hello. Stand up, baby. Can you get a shot? Can you get a shot of her? Mr. Director, can you get a shot of my wife? There she is. Come on down. There she is. Turn around. Right there, baby. There you go. <laughs> you know, she preaches the gospel. She lays hands on the sick. She helps us with administration. And she homeschools my kids. She graduated with a 4.8 GPA, which means grade point average in America. A 4.0 is genius. She graduated at 4.8. Somebody says, what does that mean? That means I married up. That's all that means right there. So, <laughs> somebody says, well, how does that make her feel? I say, hey, listen, happy wife, happy life, all right? <laughs> but I sit there on the back porch and I, you know, this is early in the morning, which is a move of God for me to get up that early anyway. You know, I'm not like Smith, Smith Wigglesworth who got up at four o'clock in the morning because most of my meetings that I do across the world end around 2 a.m. By the time I get back to the hotel and visit the Denny's demon or whatever, a kebab demon or whatever you want to call it, I'm not in bed until about 4, 4.30. And so I can't pray like Smith Wigglesworth, but I can pray like Roy Fields because that's who God made me to be. So I sit there on the back porch and I just, man, I open up the word and I get into Hebrews and I get into Romans. Like I get into Romans 12 and it talks about how my reasonable service is to just be a living sacrifice. If you read Romans chapter 12, verse 1, about being, your reasonable service is to be what? A living sacrifice. You are a walking, talking, living sacrifice unto the Lord, constantly burning incense from your praises and from your belief in Him and that He is awesome and He is wonderful. And I'm just sitting there, and as I'm sitting there, this just happened to me recently. 
As I'm sitting there, I felt the Lord just speak to me, and I, I literally could feel the Holy Spirit sitting at the table with me. I'm not being weird or spooky. You know why it seems weird and spooky to people? Because they don't know the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy chapter 28 says that people will be afraid of you because you know God. And I sit there and I hear this from the Holy Spirit. It was so tender. It was so quiet. It was so still. And if you knew my background, I grew up with people screaming and yelling and doing all kinds of stuff. And I just heard this beautiful little whisper. And he says, you know, son, this is my most favorite time with you right here, right now. And I just, I started to weep. And I said, who am I? Who am I that the God of the universe would take time out of his schedule and what he keeps everything in motion to come and sit with me at my table and tell me this is one of his most favorite times is to be with me. I can't even tell you what that's worth. It wrecks you. Revival messed up my life years ago, but that wrecked me just recently. The Lord is so trying in every capacity that he can to get people's attention in every generation that goes through life. And he waits for one or two because unfortunately that's how many actually press into God. With all the thousands that Jesus touched, there was only 120 when the day of Pentecost came. These are real numbers. Somebody says, well, God's not into numbers. Yes, he is. He wrote the book of numbers. <laughs> People say, be careful. Be, you need to be more humble because, you know, it's Jesus in you. And yet Jesus said out of his own mouth, you shall do greater things than even I have done. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He opened blinded eyes. He cleansed the lepers. Top that. And he says, we're going to do greater things than that. And the revelation that I begin to get, even in this six months, so this is not regurgitated, oh, here comes another American speaker to talk about his ministry and everything else. The revelation I got is the God of universe, of the universe, knows every move you make, knows every idle word that you speak, and knows what you're going through because he chose to relate to us by coming to earth through his son Jesus so he could walk where you're walking right now. He actually stood where you are standing right now. He felt what you're feeling, and I want to say this and not be so generic, but he understands. He understands that this life has got tribulations and trials. And I tell you, on the back of my porch, I feel peace. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel peace right now. Should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia. Everybody in this life is after peace. 
You meet an atheist on the street and they'll say this, I just want peace in my life. But they look at some Christians and they go, no thanks. You know why we're not winning that many people to the Lord? They look in our eyes and they can see that we don't even believe what we believe. (laughs) Some people go out. Would you like to come to my church? We have an amazing service. We experience things like joy healing, and sometimes we speak in tongues. Does Forrest Gump go to your church? I mean, and people look at that and they go, no thanks. (laughs) Can I pray for you? No, no. Will you please pray for me? People look in your eyes. I don't care what nationality you are. People look in your eyes and they can tell if you're telling the truth or if you're being superficial. They can tell if you mean what you say and say what you mean or if you're just going through the motions. Worship leaders, listen to me and I hope there's some that are watching on the way of internet tonight. I'll tell you how you will tap into the presence of God. You will be vulnerable and allow your heart to be displayed so that people will be literally poked into jealousy of the relationship you have with God. It will cause people to want to worship. I watched my wife all these years pass. We just celebrated 15 years in June, which is pretty awesome. I'm excited. Truth be known, we're here basically on our 15th, you know, year wedding anniversary. Uh, The day of our anniversary... We were actually with Reinhard Bonnke at one of his school of evangelism in, uh, in his own headquarters. And uh, I just love that guy, don't you? How many love Reinhard Bonnke? Good man, hey? I love him. He goes, I don't believe in protocol. I believe in protocol. Amen! Anyway. I get around preachers and I can't help but mimic them. It just, I get around, it's just me. I'm just me. I get in trouble in the green rooms all the time. I go in the back and everybody wants to, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, yes. And I'm like, <laughs> just to mess up the whole thing. Did this, are you okay? We're all real people. We all don't need to be like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Just be yourself. Hallelujah. Get around the Irish and they're just fun. I was in Belfast and a pastor came up to me and he goes, Roy, in 2008, I went to Lakeland and I felt the weight of his glory. And I looked at him and I just thought, are you okay? I went to Scotland. All right, I want the fire more than you do. I go to Wales and they're like, welcome to Wales. 
In Wales, we have the fire, the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and then I came to England. Oh, Roy, I'll be honest, I feel the fire now. But you meet different people, and you know what? Everybody has the same opportunity. Everybody has the same chance in their lifetime to connect with God, to see revival happen in your time, not to pray that it comes. You can have it now. I'm telling you as a brother that you can have it right now. I came to this country, and I'm wrapping it up as I continue to close. You can have revival. I came to this country in 2008 off the back of the Lakeland Revival where 350,000 people descended upon this insignificant little city called Lakeland, Florida in between Tampa and Mickey Mouse, which is Orlando. And every night, close to 10,000 people were coming from 240 countries. My wife and I only stepped out in 2005 and then within two and a half years, every leader I ever wanted to know, every dream I ever had in my life as a young little boy, every prophecy had been fulfilled right in front of me in 2008. And I gotta tell you this, I believed since I was a kid, I actually believed that God wanted to use me. And it's not wrong to say that. For you to say something like, I believe God's going to use me, that is not an outspoken thing. <laughs> A Brit one time told me, they said, you know, you Americans are so over the top. And I go, well, some of you Brits are so under the bottom. You know, I'm not preaching the American gospel here tonight. The gospel of Jesus Christ says, ready? I can do all. All things. Now we say that to you. We, we know the scripture, but do we know? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe you can walk into a country. I believe you can walk into a church, a city, no matter where you are. And because of what the Lord has done in your heart, renewed your mind. You can bring something into that environment because you carry his very presence on the inside of you. I believe you can go into the darkest, deadest place, which people told me some of the UK was pretty dark and dead. And American preachers that had come through, they would say, Roy, it's really hard ground if you come here. When you give an altar call, they probably won't answer. They said, when you take up a love offering, there'll be more love than offering. <laughs> they said, if you ask them to be emotional or just lift their hands or something, some of them will resist. And I thought to myself, thank God I don't live my life according to your failures. Maybe they weren't supposed to come, but I'll tell you what, the Lord sent my wife and I to the United Kingdom in 2008. And in six years' time, I was telling Pastor uh, Mrs. Dye, uh, in, in six years' time, and this is the glory to God, we have spent 350000 I believe it's around pounds maybe, or maybe it's dollars, I don't know. Because $350,000, what's that, like 10 pounds or something? I don't know. <laughs> something like that. 
listen, when I, when I landed in London, I asked him about how a foreign currency exchange was going to be. And I said, how much is my money worth? And he goes, half. <laughs> Thank you for that. Welcome to England. <laughs> but we spent all that money and we paid every place we went. We never charged one church a dime because I don't believe in being a burden. If you're going to travel around and you're going to preach faith, you should walk it out. You should walk it out. Bless God, and I might be stepping on a couple toes. I don't do it on purpose or to be mean, but there's a lot of preachers today they require so much up front to even have them come. And I think, would Jesus do all that? Would Jesus actually do all that? You know, some preachers won't come unless they get a $10,000 honorarium for 45 minutes of ministry. I need two first-class flights on a plane. I got to have two rooms for a five-star hotel. Pick me up in a limousine. I want chocolate-covered strawberries in my room. And I have to have temperature, you know, room temperature water. You know, I'm not a pastor. I'm an evangelist who loves to worship. But I'll tell you what, if I was a pastor, I would tell that preacher, thank you so much, but why don't you stay home? <laughs> we decided as a church, we're going to bring Jesus in. He's not charging us anything and something will probably happen. Amen. Come on. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying how it is. Jesus would walk in the place and he'd see nothing. And in two weeks, something would come out of the place. You know what a revivalist does, which is basically an evangelist who's on fire. A revivalist, you could drop him in the middle of a desert and there's nothing there. It's dark, it's dry. And in two weeks, there'd be a river somewhere he dug up that's coming out and starting to stream out. Because you believe, you know that you can do all things. I'm cutting into some of my time here a little bit. I'm changing up a little bit. But I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11. It's the famous faith scripture. But you know, tonight, I'm gonna try to stay along the lines. You can put that up on the screen if you want, the I believe. We're here tonight because I believe. You're here tonight because I know you believe. You believe God can use you. Some of you don't believe God can use you. And that's a travesty. I'm here to encourage you as a brother from America. Just think of me as a brother from another mother. And maybe you're a sister from another mister. I don't know. But I'm your brother tonight. Don't look at me as just a minister or something. Look at me as your brother. You know, my, my childhood growing up was not an easy one. It was not an easy one. My mom, she had a miscarriage before she had me. Then she had me. Then my parents got divorced when I was two and a half years of age. Then my mom got pregnant by another gentleman. She carried, a, she carried this baby girl full term nine months. And one week before she gave birth, she died. Not my mother, the baby. And when she gave birth to the baby, it was a stillborn. My sister today, her name would have been Tiffany. She would have been 16 years, I think. My mom will probably correct me on texting on my phone if she's watching right now. And I love you, Mom. Go ahead, send the text. I missed the date. <laughs> and, and then after that, my mom got remarried. And while I was in Africa, I went to Zambia, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, and Malawi on a two-month missions trip in 1995. 
the word got back to me, my mom not only miscarried the, the third baby, but she almost bled to death while she was on her trip with her, my stepfather in Hawaii. And so I'm the only survivor. I have no siblings. When I grew up in my home, my mom and I yelled at each other. My dad wasn't there after two and a half. My mom gave her life to Jesus Christ through Jimmy Baker. Out of all things, she got knelt down on her living room floor in the trailer. She said, the, the man on the screen told me to lift my hands and put them on the television set. Now, that would have been 1978, okay? I don't know if you remember back that far, but there were Zenith televisions with, like, tubes involved inside the TVs. And my mom said she felt the power of God. And I, I remember when my mom told me, I said, are you sure it was the power of God? <laughs> I remember touching the Zenith, and I flew across the room. She said, no, son, it was the power of God. I gave my heart to Jesus. And the moment she gave her heart to Jesus, it was like all H-E double hockey sticks broke loose in the house. And she fought everything you can imagine. I was diagnosed with asthma. The, the number two things I use is my voice to sing and my voice to preach. Looks like the enemy didn't win on that one. The second thing is my mom couldn't get remarried for like 16 years. I think part of it was because I was really, I was actually very difficult to even parent. I was so full of rage, authority issues, you name it, dad issues, all that kind of stuff I dealt with. But you know what? When I was eight years old, I was in an Assembly of God church in upstate New York in Binghamton. My mother said, son, I want you to ask Jesus into your heart. And I said, why, Mom? She says, if you don't ask Jesus into your heart, I'm going to spank you for a very long time. <laughs> well, guess what? I was down at the altar. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I had no clue what I was doing, but here's what I did know. My mom said to do this, and she took me to church every single Sunday. Every single time those doors were open, I was in church. I went through the Royal Rangers program and they have this thing called Trailblazers and Pioneers and Buckaroos. Basically, it's a glorified Boy Scout camp, but they teach you the word. They memorize the gospel. They teach about Jesus. They teach about the disciples. And so at an early age, the word was literally ingested or ingested, infected, injected and whatever. <laughs> it literally was put in me as a, young, as a young boy. And as I grew up around age 11, I remember... The state of New York came in and took me away from my mom because there was no more peace in the household. She couldn't handle me anymore. So the state, it wasn't my mom. It was just, we just, it was just a bad situation. My mom and I screamed at each other every single day. It was, I don't remember peace in our home. Maybe a couple times, very rare. And the state came in and took me and put me in a foster home for six months and then for a year and a half, I lived in a children's home. So for two years, I was without any family. Nobody that I knew was telling me what to do, putting me up against a wall. A little 12-year-old kid one day, even though I was like, you know, 11, he was towering over me, grabs me by the throat, throws me up against the wall, and he says, I could kill you, nobody would even miss you. Just stuff like that, you know, traumatized some kind of kid. And I remember grabbing a guitar at 11 years of age and sitting down in my bedroom in my dormitory and I didn't know how to play but I learned one chord, E minor. I wish I would have learned a major chord to be honest with you. It's really depressing just sitting here. I almost wanted to go into a Gregorian chant or something, you know. You are awesome, Lord. 
And I feel your presence. Not really. So I should have done a major chord. But anyway, so I learned how to play guitar. And you know, for I guess it was maybe about four or five months, I put this chord together, this chord together, this chord together, and I started singing from my heart. And I began to feel the tangible presence of Almighty God in my bedroom as an 11-year-old boy, and nobody taught me how to do that. It was my own relationship with Him. And I think about it now. It was my own relationship. Some of you, you're trying to ride other people's relationships. Get your own. It's awesome. Get your own relationship. You'll never get into heaven riding the coattails of somebody else. And that began the process in my life, and I speed up till now. When I look back through all my life, what really kept me? What really kept me all these years? It was practicing his presence in the secret place first. Your corporate worship should never outdo your private worship with God. For many people, Sunday morning is the only time they actually expressively, openly, abandonedly worship God. But if you'll take it another step and you'll make it as part of your daily life and you'll get to times where you do sit down and you get your Bible out and you just, you just sit with God and you just sit at your table and you just relax and just chill. You don't have to get a pillow and lay down and just chill. You know, even now, we could take this moment and if you just sit there and think about it just for a moment, that He is God. Those of you watching online right now, he's God. You're sitting there watching in your living room and it's quiet. There's nobody standing around you. It's even dark. And yeah, yes, you, and you're kind of creeped out right now. You know why you're creeped out? Because you don't know what it's like to be alone with God only. And when you do, you try to fill it with entertainment and Facebook and YouTube videos and movies and entertainment and this and this and that. And really what you need to do is just be yourself. Just be yourself with God. You're not going to impress Him. You're not going to startle Him either. Maybe some of you need to get to the point where you do get, I don't know, to the point where you just go, God! Somebody says, don't scream, God's not deaf. Well, He's not nervous either. You're never going to startle God. God's not going to be sitting there and you startle Him and He goes, oh, myself! He's God. I said, he's God. Nothing surprises God. He saw the end before the beginning. Just believe. This is it. When you cross over into eternity, just believe. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know people think and they get jaded. Even ministers, man, they get jaded the most because they see the people day in, day out. They see other ministers coming through day in and day out. They see the people in the congregation day in, day out. Politics and everything else. I'll tell you why I love revival. Revival cuts right through all the nonsense. Goes straight to the heart. And it's like an arrow of the Holy Spirit. 
And it deals with, you know what? Why am I so uptight about all this stuff? Why am I without peace when he is peace? The UK is primed and ready. I said this this morning. The UK is primed and ready for a move of God right now. There are enough hungry people right now in the UK, all over the British Isles, to see a mighty, mighty move of God and of the Holy Spirit. You get ready because it's coming. It's not coming very far away. It's here now for those who believe. Do you believe tonight? I couldn't hear you. Let me try this church over here. I'll be right back. Do you believe tonight? Do you believe tonight? Does anybody believe tonight? Hallelujah. Well, that was interesting. I tell you, the move of the Holy Spirit, it messes everything up. Quick plug very quickly. You ready? We have CDs and DVDs are limited. There's my plug. We're done with that. Let's see. This is my plan. No joke. This is my plan. I, I never do this. I never. What, what camera am I on? Yeah. This is my plan. And the Holy Spirit goes, oh, that's very nice. Oh, that's great. That's, that's your plan, huh? Oh, that's... Oh. Well, there goes your plan. You know, you can't cry out to God, send your fire, Lord. Because then He does. And He takes your plans and He goes, my plans are greater than yours. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet tonight? <laughs> We're going to attempt to pray for everybody in 15 minutes. This is going to be a drive-through Holy Ghost. Yes, Lord, I'd like two shakes and one roll in my Happy Meal. And could I get a little figurine of St. Thomas, please? Tonight we're going to lay hands on you. I don't know how we're going to do it, but it's going to be quick. It's going to be fast. And we have to be out of here by 9.30. Now, here's what I'm going to, I can do this. I've done this. I laid hands on 6,000 people in Lakeland after I led worship for two hours, then preached for two hours, and then walked around the tent for four hours laying hands on people. But it ain't going to take me four hours. If you truly believe what I've said tonight... The only thing I'm going to pray for you is that you would receive the same fire and passion that I have on the inside of me and my wife. That's it. How many would like some of that tonight? Okay.